Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to Chumba ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to Underground USA. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to check out everything we do over at undergroundusa.com. Sign up for the Telegram daily headlines and the weekly mail-out so that we can have a direct line to you in case the Silicon Valley overlords decide to pull the plug. Here's this morning's segment on the Captain's America with Matt Bruce as broadcast to over 2 million people every single night on the Salem and Genesis Communications Networks. Well, joining us right now from UndergroundUSA.com, it is the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Salvato. Aha. Aha. There they are. 71 degrees, partly cloudy, and they're going back inside because it's a little too chilly for them. A little chilly. <laughs> a little too Yeah, up north, in, up north uh, in Chicago, we would have been wearing shorts. I know. <laughs> Well, Frank, Mr. Senator Joel Manchin, West Virginia, the man of the hour, along with Arizona Senator Christian Sinema, uh, they've broken away from their own party. They're torching the $3.5 trillion social welfare and climate change spending bill. Manchin, of course, proclaimed that the government spending uh, trillions right now would be fiscal insanity. And uh, this is really something because uh, it's just not going to get passed this time around. Well, good. You know, I, I have to applaud both of them. Um, and this is a perfect time for us to, see, you know, you, you you mentioned the words there. He he broke away from from their from their party. Uh, they were they were diligent to their people. They represented their states. West Virginia didn't. The West Virginians didn't want to see this thing pass. Nope. Arizonans didn't want to see these pass. So they were loyal to their constituencies. You know, we always we always couch things on on left and right and Republican and Democrat. Our government's not supposed to be held hostage by the political parties. It's it's supposed to have fidelity to the voters and the constituents. And and what what Manchin and and Sinema did was execute loyalty to their states the way they're supposed to. Now, it may have ticked Chuck Schumer off. It may have ticked Nancy Pelosi off, and it, I'm sure it angered the Biden administration, but they, they're they not supposed to answer to those people. Mm-hmm. 
They're supposed to answer to the West Virginia and Arizona. And if we would, if each of the elected officials would start having fidelity to the states that they represent instead of the parties that they're in, the country would be a much, much better place. So I, I applaud both of them for representing their, the people of their states with fidelity. Mm-hmm. And, and I also applaud them for saying, you know what, my state's got to come before my party. That goes for Republicans, too. Your state's got to come before your party. Mm-hmm. Now, the Senate voted 65 to 35 to approve a last-minute bill to keep the federal government open until December the 3rd, 2021. The House uh, went along uh, with it. And uh, the other thing is, we understand today, Nancy Pelosi uh, is bringing up, uh, let's see, what is she voting on today? Because uh, I just saw the headline here. I've got to go back to the headline to find it. Uh, Pelosi now pledges a Friday vote after Dems fail to reach deals on infrastructure and uh, reconciliation. You know, the Senate, again, led by Mitch McConnell, who I am not a fan of. Right. I'd make the Democrats own everything. Why did anybody go along with that? They've got 50 votes. They've got Kamala Harris. Make them own raising the debt ceiling. Make them do it by themselves so that you've got something going into the midterm saying they raised the ceiling again so they can raise your taxes again. Mm-hmm. And then just like last time and the time before and the time before that, the time going back all the way to the beginning of time, they tried to blame us for shutting down government when government's bankrupting you. Mm-hmm. So why did any Republican go along with that with, with, with that bill in the Senate? I, I just don't understand it. They had the votes to pass it. They should have passed it. Without yep. whining, too. They should have been proud of it. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, if, if this $3.5 trillion bill that Biden keeps saying will cost us nothing, mm-hmm. if it really does cost us nothing, how come we had to raise the debt ceiling? Yeah, true. That's a good point. I believe one of our listeners. I believe one of our listeners brought that up on Monday. Yes. Well, why? Why do we have to raise it? It, it's, it? It's bears repeating. Yep. And of course, folks, I'm talking to Frank Silvato from UndergroundUSA.com. Uh, UndergroundUSA.com. Go over there, check out the podcast and the other great things that he's got over there as well. Uh, whoops. Okay. Here comes uh, the music in my ears. So you hang on, Frank. And folks, we'll be right back with more on the Captain's America Third Watch as we continue to motor along here. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Captain's America Third Watch, heard live right here on this station from 2 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time, overnight Monday through Saturday. Call 877-969-8600 and tell us what's on your mind. know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, 
This ain't your mama's tea. News, insight, passion. Hey, I'm 930. The answer. Online at TheAnswerSarasota.com. Hey, I'm 930. The answer. All right, back to Frank Salvato, UndergroundUSA.com. Hello, Frank. Mr. Captain. Uh, we've got a caller. I'm not sure who this is, so I'll find out. Good morning, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, sir. Good morning, Frank. He's oh, it's Eric, Eric in East Tennessee. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, hey uh, real quick, uh, Mr. Frank was uh, addressing the issue regarding why are there Republicans even supporting any of this and not just, you know, giving a loving, how should I say, uh, I don't want to say second second finger, but uh, just say, hey, no, we're not doing this. And here, here's, here's the a rhetorical question. Now, we're a constitutional republic, and we have a republican form of government. And in the Constitution, I'm addressing it from a constitutional angle because uh, Frank seems to be on top of this stuff. And, he is. You know, complimenting him. Okay, so in the Constitution, it guarantees a republican form of government, small r. Okay, so we've got all these republicans, big r's, who aren't fulfilling their duties in protecting the republic, the root word of their party. Okay, now you've got the grand old party as the official registered name. Here, here's, here's the thing. Where is the GOP? Where are the quote-unquote Republicans with all of these unco- blatant, unconstitutional uh, fiascos going on from uh, investigations on some fallacy of the January 6th alleged insurrection to the uh, mandates, these, back, these so-called vaccine mandates uh, that are unconstitutional, where the federal government changed the definition of what a vaccine is last year from one that uh, provides immunity to one that provides a response. This is, where are the Republicans? I'm not the only one feeling this. There's no one standing up going, hey, this is a bunch of Bravo Sierra, you know, in their political terminology. I'm, I'm using, how should I say, uh, a grunt-style language here. But uh, wh- where are the Republicans? Where is this Republic headed? Okay. We've got a wide-open border. Let us... There are all these promises, all these promises that they're going to do something mm-hmm. to include censorship okay. of big tech. Let us so try anyway, to... That, that's my vent. Yeah, thank right. you, gentlemen. Simplify. Let, thank you. I was going to say, let us try to answer that. Okay, uh, go ahead. He's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Where the hell are they? Mm-hmm. This is this is kind of what we've been screaming about with the leadership on the on the right side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I've railed against Mitch McConnell. I think it's the it's well past time that he's not the leader anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got some decent voices in the Republican Party asking the same questions, but they're not in they're not in the hierarchy of leadership. You know, we should we should have been mandate. Mandate means nothing. Enjoy your mandate, mm-hmm. and, and that should have been it. You know, it, that doesn't have the the weight of law. We're allowing the bureaucracy to run roughshod because we don't stand up and say the bureaucracy doesn't have the authority to do that. You know, we, we, the Republicans, and he's absolutely right. I completely agree with everything that he said. They're not showing up. They may show up every now and then in a in a in a Senate committee, in a, in a House committee, with the way they go after a witness. But when it comes to taking the stand and derailing what the what the fascists of the progressive wing of the Democrat Party want to do, they just seem to evaporate. Part of that problem is they don't know how to get ahead of a narrative to save their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, they cannot advance a narrative into into the public sphere because they don't know how to message. 
They don't know how to get around the mainstream media. It's one thing Donald Trump was a genius at. He circumvented the mainstream media. I'm taking it directly to the people. It's what it's what Reagan did before him. You know, take it directly to the people. I, I don't need to talk to you. I'm talking to you. You know, well, why don't should I talk to a reporter when I can talk to Joe Main Street? You know, so the Republican Party on the federal level has to do a lot more than go to the cocktail parties just because they're elected. They've got to do the hard the hard business of standing up for what is right and standing up for their constituents. I said this the first in the first segment. People elected to federal office represent their states and represent their constituents before they represent their party. Mm-hmm. It has to be that way. The party is something that comes second. It comes, I'm, I'm, I'm sent to Washington by Republican constituents, so let's talk amongst us as a caucus. It's not... I'm a Republican first, so I'm going to do what the party says and then have to explain it to my constituents. Mm-hmm. Washington right. warned us of this in his farewell address. He said, beware of factions in government. Mm-hmm. They'll be the death of the republic. And I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And what he was talking about was the political parties. I, I have to assume that the reason that we haven't seen anybody challenging the constitutionality of this is because maybe they think they'd lose doesn't matter. You either stand for what's right or you roll over for what's wrong. Because have you heard of anybody challenging? I, I hear I hear Rand Paul, who's got libertarian roots but identifies as a Republican for his, for his office. I've heard Ted Cruz. I've heard Mike Lee. You know, I, I, I've, I, there are the Blackburn. There mm-hmm. are good Republicans out there who are standing up. They just never get the full voice of the Republican leadership. And the blame for that must be laid at Mitch McConnell's feet. Mm-hmm. He is a horrific leader. Mm-hmm. A horrific, he made no political tactics when it comes to moving on the floor. Bravo for you. You should be the tactician then. But let's get a leader who's willing to stand up and say, we can't let this go forward. Well, we can't. Well, and, and start pointing out the people on the left side of the aisle, yep. besides Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who are doing this. Yep, and I and I agree with what you're saying. Now, in the meantime, here's one that they should be challenging. You ready for this? Okay. Diane Feinstein has unveiled a bill oh. to mandate mandate you must have proof of vaccination to get on an aircraft or have a test before you do it, and if you don't pass it, you don't get on it. Yeah, I'm not, I don't. I don't think allowing the federal government to say, "Oh, by the way, the ticket that you saved for and bought because you're you're past TSA right now is null and void, and you got to eat that ticket because you didn't pass a test that could possibly possibly be a false positive." You can't get to where you want to go. That's limiting the freedom of travel around this country. And I also have to question this. Diane Feinstein hasn't been seen because people are reporting that she's got severe cognitive decline. Yeah, I've heard so that. I very, very much don't believe that that is something that Diane Feinstein came up with. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's something Diane Feinstein's office came up with. And we didn't, the people of California didn't elect 
her office personnel to do this. They elected her to do it. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see a Republican investigation of how that proposal came mm-hmm. to be okay. when she's supposedly in cognitive decline. Here comes the music. Would you like to stick around for another segment? You bet. All right, hold on. Okay, folks, I'm going to be right back with Frank Salvato. We've still got a lot of really, really, really neat stuff to be talking about here. Don't go anywhere. we got lots more coming back. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to the Captain, Matt Bruce, on America's Third Watch. It's 2 o'clock in the morning and news breaks. When you need to know, the place to go from 2 to 6 a.m. is the Captain's America Third Watch with Captain Matt Bruce. I'll see you there. AM 930, the answer. Okay, back to uh, Frank Silvato from the UndergroundUSA.com website. And good morning again, Frank. Mr. Captain. Now, we were talking during the break about a couple different things there. And uh, Frank, uh, Fred is agreeing with what uh, were, you, you were talking about, uh, about what you and Eric were uh, had gotten into discussion about. And that's all good. I, I believe that uh, we do have an, an option here. Uh, to us, but nobody is taking it. I mean, who is suing for the to determine the constitutionality of what we've been talking about? Nobody. Nobody. And then this is where, you know, everybody has come to understand the judicial branch as a reactive branch. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the Supreme Court actually has the ability to to issue statements about what's going on. They don't necessarily have to be reactive. They've just taken that role. Mm-hmm. You know, they are the arbiters of the, and, the, and the keepers of the meaning of the Constitution. So the, their right is to protect the Constitution. So it, it would be nice to hear from them, or at least some of them, about what's going on with the executive branch. But, you know, if you, they don't teach history mm-hmm. in schools anymore. Mm-hmm. So... We don't get taught about what happened during Woodrow Wilson's term. We don't get taught anything about the government workings other than what happened during World War II from the Roosevelt term. Mm -hmm. But this is where the bureaucracy started to be built in Washington, D.C. Some people call it the deep state. I call it the bureaucracy. It's one and the same. Mm -hmm. You know, if let's say government would have shut down and they wouldn't have had they wouldn't they wouldn't have passed what they did. The bureaucracy would have continued on as the people didn't sit in Congress. The bureaucracy just goes on. You know, no matter who's in the Oval Office, the bureaucracy goes on. The departments and the agencies just go on. Mm -hmm. It's gotten too big and too unaccountable. So when we talk about a lot of the unconstitutional things that, that, that our federal government is doing, we like to place a name and a face to it, so we automatically point to the people in Congress or the people in the White House. Mm-hmm. But as you saw during the COVID, during the COVID thing, we were getting edicts from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, who all of a sudden was saying that there's going to be a rent moratorium. Well, yeah. who the hell are you to say that there's going to be a rent moratorium? You're the Center for Disease Control. You don't have any right to tell people who own property what they can and cannot do as far as collecting payment. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? That's the bureaucracy. And until we start to dismantle 
This is where the brave people come in who are in Congress. Mm -hmm. Until we start to dismantle the bureaucracy, the same BS is going to keep on going no matter who is in the Oval Office or in Congress. And we should have learned that lesson with Donald Trump. How many people who call themselves Republican in Washington, D.C., for year upon year upon year, the apparatus, how many people pushed back against his agenda, even though he was a rightfully elected president? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I Now, I, I know where the Department of Justice is going to be today. <laughs> where are they going to be today? They are going to argue against the Texas abortion law in federal court. Yeah. I, again, why is the DOJ involving themselves in state politics that has nothing to do with them? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a, a politicized and agendized ideological agency department that that is part of the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And, and they are tasked during this administration with sticking their noses in. And this is just like Eric Holder before. We're, we're going to insert ourselves in, into the state's sovereignty to say, no, you can't do that. Well, that's, that's what state sovereignty is all about. If Texas, if the people of Texas have elected people to decide that that's not what they want, then that's the way it should be. I'm not denying the people of Texas the ability to go and get an abortion. They can go to any other state and get it. That's their right. Go ahead and travel. But in Texas, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and let's be clear about this. Roe versus Wade was a was a was a decision, a Supreme Court decision. that had to do with privacy. It had nothing to do with is abortion legal? Is abortion not legal? That was left to the states. Roe versus Wade was a privacy decision. Mm-hmm. So once again, we come back to the subject of state sovereignty. Where did state sovereignty go? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it started to be marginalized when the federal government started overstepping its bounds when senators were directly elected, thanks again to the Woodrow Wilson administration, when they passed that amendment to the Constitution, directly electing senators. Never supposed to be the case. Senators were supposed to be appointed by the state legislatures mm-hmm. because the Senate was supposed to be looking out for state rights and state sovereignty. Okay, with, now, with the direct election, it turned into a political apparatus, and, and states lost their protectors in Washington. Now, i got a question for you. The question is John Durham, Special Counsel John Durham, issued a new round of subpoenas uh, in the FBI probe. It appears that he may be onto something Perkins Coie-related. There's a lot to dig into there because that is the go-to law firm in Washington for the Democrats and the far left. Mm-hmm. So if if he's issuing subpoenas and he's starting to make moves to bring people in front of the grand jury, mm-hmm. more power to him because without without taking a lot of risk with this statement, there's a lot to find out about that law firm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, and, and with and with the, and with that's going to be a lot to find out about the about the very popular apparatuses of Obama and Clinton. Mm-hmm. Now, Marco Rubio said something yesterday. I don't know if you picked up on it. He was talking about the illegals headed to the uh, the border, Mexican U.S. border, and with what we know that is uh, working their way to Panama and through Panama, 
which is uh, kind of like a broker in all of this, then moving them further up into uh, Mexico. There's 120,000 people in the pipeline right now that are going to be working their way through over the next month or two. Absolutely. And they're being facilitated through Mexico by the Mexican drug cartels to, to do exactly what they did in Del Rio. Now, a lot of people are not recognizing this, but this is exactly what happened. The Mexican drug cartels flooded the Del Rio sector, expecting the Border Patrol to have to man up over there and abandon other checkpoints. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the drug cartels were able to move things through Laredo with, with a lot of ease because Border Patrol agents had to go over to Del Rio. I'm sure, sure, sure that you are absolutely right about that. Well, I will talk to you on Monday, my friend. Thanks for sticking around. Have yourself a great weekend. Stay with All right, Frank Salvato, undergroundusa.com, undergroundusa.com. Go over there and check it out. See all the things that he has to offer. We're coming right back. Hey, Kevin Jackson here. You're listening to the Captains of America, third one. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. I'll be right back with some words about the Biden energy policy and how he's succeeding in screwing that up, too, right after this. Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mom's tea. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to sign up for everything we do over at undergroundusa.com. Get on the uh, breaking news telegram feed. Sign up for our mail outs. Coming out once a week now in a magazine format. A manufacturer's trade group, fearing a potential shortage of liquefied natural gas, has petitioned the Department of Energy to order U.S. producers to reduce exports. The organization is the Industrial Energy Consumers of America, and they recently sent a letter to the U.S. Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, a former governor of Michigan, asking the Department of Energy to take immediate action and restrict exports of liquefied natural gas until U.S. inventories increase. Quote, We urge you to take immediate action under the Natural Gas Act to prevent a supply crisis and price spikes for consumers this winter by requiring liquefied natural gas exporters to reduce export rates in order to allow U.S. inventories to reach the five-year average storage level, the letter reads. The organization also requested that the DOE place a hold on all existing, pending, and pre-filling export authorizations for natural gas, The organization also requested that the DOE place a hold on all existing, pending, and pre-filling export authorizations in the lower 48 states of the United States. Natural gas prices have risen more than 35% in the last month, 
amid lower supplies and a surge in demand as COVID-hit economies around the world reopen. The sudden demand after plants went idle is prompting fears that there's simply not going to be enough gas stored for our winter needs here in the United States this year. Here we have yet another unnecessary government-induced repercussion from the stupidity that was the closing of the U.S. economy and the world economy because of a virus that has and always had a 98.2% survival rate. The knee-jerk, snowflake argument of needing to mask and quarantine in order to protect lives is a false narrative that fear-mongers instilled in the weak and uneducated. Sweden, Denmark, and Norway proved that beyond doubt, and there's no arguing that point. They, intelligently and apolitically, protected the vulnerable while allowing the young and healthy to achieve herd immunity creating a superior strain of antibodies to the virus than any manufactured vaccine. And while the intellectually stunted and blindly agendized mainstream media continues to worship at the disingenuous altar of Fauci, political charlatans on the left and the Biden administration do everything they can to keep the crisis alive to facilitate their spendthrift, transformative plans for our country. Just a year ago, the United States of America was energy independent. We had such a surplus of energy sources that for the first time in decades, we were aggressively exporting energy products to other parts of the world. But with the installation of the Biden administration and the return of the Obama shadow government to power, U.S. policy has been implemented to crush the fossil fuel industry to the point the American people feel a drastic amount of pain forcing them to the only energy game in town, the crony capitalist green energy robber baron allies of the fascists currently in power. Again, there was no need to shut down our economy, or the world economy, and Sweden, Denmark, and Norway proved that beyond doubt. The same goes for destroying American energy independence. It didn't have to happen. It was political and ideological, not necessary or inevitable. Please think about that when you're either paying out the nose for warmth this winter or freezing to death. Who did this? Well, the transformative, political, and ideological left did this. To you. You might also want to think about that the next time you go into the voting booth. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. I think America as a whole in 1973 and 1974, not just my view, but obviously the administration, missed the opportunity to deal with the energy crisis that was before us. For a long time, our entire energy policy came down to cheap oil. This is an opportunity, what used to be long-term problems, be they in the healthcare area, energy area, education area, fiscal area, tax area, regulatory reform area, Things that we had postponed for too long that were long-term are now immediate and must be dealt with. This crisis provides the opportunity for us, as I would say, the opportunity to do things that you could not do before. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. I'll be right back after this. (laughs) 